today's message is, I trust it's going to be really, really a blessing to us. Um, God wants every one of us to be saved and to be in a healthy relationship with Him and enjoy fellowship with Him and to, to continue to grow in our faith and our faithfulness and our fruitfulness. And um, I'm saying this because the heart of today's message is that all of us will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and live lives of substance and purpose. We, we don't want to go through the motions of Christianity with a false sense of security built on flaky foundations of behavior modification, yet lacking in genuine faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And coming to church doesn't make us Christians. Uh, and that's not saying, please take the next <laughs> few months off. Um, and I can imagine next week, um, either morning or celebrating. But anyway, uh, coming to church doesn't make us Christians. Reading the Bible doesn't mean that we are Christians. Praying prayers doesn't mean that we are Christians. Um, what we want is to understand what Scripture teaches is genuine faith to walk in that so that we don't have this false sense of security based on things that are not actually saving faith. Um, years ago, I watched a documentary on counterfeiting, and it is amazing how much counterfeiting goes on in this world and what people are actually counterfeiting. We can understand things like shoes and clothes and jewelry, even tech stuff, kitchen appliances. They counterfeit everything. Some of the things that shocked me when it came to counterfeiting are medicines and food products. When it comes to medicine, right, they will counterfeit medicine and the medicine or the, the counterfeiting rings would flood even the, the chemists with medicines that have the same box, the same packaging, the same hologram authentication stamp, the same piece of paper inside with the ingredients and instructions and side effects inside the box, but it's not the same medicine. So you think you're getting something, but you're getting something else. It looks identical, yet it doesn't work. Medication on its best day has a long list of side effects. Imagine needing something and then you take something and you're not getting what you meant to. Instead, you're getting a whole bunch of chemicals. So you need malaria or diabetes meds, whatever you get, and then you're actually getting a counterfeit. When it comes to food, wow, <laughs> it's amazing how much counterfeiting food floods into the world. Here are some of the foods that people counterfeit. Olive oil, right? We think we're buying... I'm not saying that olive oil we're getting from anywhere. I'm not pointing it out. In 1981, now this is a while ago. In 1981, there was a case where nearly 700 people died. Some got paralyzed. Some had organ failure. Some had deformed bones. Others had neurological problems when they consumed what they thought was olive oil. Packaged as olive oil and then taken. This is over 40 years ago, and things are much, much more hectic now. Technology and all that kind of thing has been introduced, so the ability to counterfeit is so much more real. With olives, even today, what they do is they take a special paint, and they paint the olives, so when they put it in the packet, it looks fresh, but it's paint, and that paint is toxic. In China, and I'm not trying to pick on the Chinese for all, those, <laughs> all our Chinese people watching online, <laughs> in China, it's cheaper to make eggs in a lab then have chickens and farms. So what they do is they make eggs in a lab, and the eggs look exactly the same. Shell, yolk, egg white, everything, except it's chemicals and gelatine. 
and it also causes dementia. So eggs are flooding the market across the world. I think China is 40% of the egg market, and lots of them are getting made in a lab, and they look the same. Other foods include cheese, tomato sauce, fish, <laughs> fish, honey, and I'm sure that the list goes on and on, from cosmetics to car parts to baby formula to perfumes to colognes to wine. There is a counterfeit for everything. And what makes a counterfeit effective is when it looks exactly the same as what it's meant to, the, the real deal. Often the differences can't even be told. Yet what we see is not what we get. So in the portion of Scripture that we're looking at today, James distinguishes the difference between artificial faith and authentic faith. And it's a hard one because we need to understand the difference because we don't want to go through our lives thinking that what we have is authentic when it's actually artificial. So in faith, and by the way, those birds dive-bombed Brent three times apparently this morning, so I feel like I'm going to get it at some stage. They are... Mm. So with faith, we can proclaim it, we can portray it, we can pretend it, yet one day, all of us will stand before God. This is a fact, it's a reality, it's coming. One day, all of us will stand before God, and what is artificial will be rejected, and what is authentic will be rewarded. We do not want to go through our lives thinking that what we believe and what we're building our lives on is authentic when it's actually artificial. So what is the difference? How can we tell them apart? If we are saved by faith, then what does authentic faith look like? So when it comes to artificial faith, James describes two forms of artificial faith, and they are hectic. And then he describes authentic faith. So two categories of false faith and one category of the real deal. And again, this is not so that we can throw stones at each other and we can like, oh, well, I think that, you know, somebody else. It's not. It's so that we can stand and look at ourselves this doesn't mean that we haven't made mistakes. All of us in the room have made mistakes, are making mistakes, and are going to make mistakes. We've all made mistakes, and we continue to do so. And when we make mistakes, it doesn't mean that we're being a fraud or that our faith isn't real. Every single hero of the faith, as we look at in Scripture, is testament to this. Broken, flawed people who were somehow failing forward, yet the end result was faithfulness and fruitfulness, and that's what we want for our lives. We don't want to put on a wonderful presentation, but in actual fact, we're building on a foundation that doesn't exist. The storms are coming, and it washes away what we think we believe. So what does James have to say about faith? Um, James 2, 14 to 26. I'm going to read the whole thing, and we'll break it down. Faith without good deeds is dead. What good is it, my dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless, said James. <laughs> now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you, um, how can you show me your faith if it does not have good deeds, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? 
Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Clearly, she made some other mistakes, but she was seen right with God by her actions of faith. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So just, be, just to be clear, this scripture isn't talking about faith versus works. It's not talking about faith versus works. It's talking about faith that saves versus faith that doesn't. And there is a difference. Because we, all, we can all have incredible faith, yet we put that faith in the wrong thing. We still have faith, yet this scripture says that there is a faith that saves and a faith that doesn't. So James starts off with this question. He says this in James 2.14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? So according to James, what is faith? Faith is belief in action. Faith is belief in action. In Hebrews 11, we read about this, the heroes of faith, all these amazing people that got honored by God because of their incredible faith in Him. But listen to this. It attaches every one of them, their faith to their actions. Abel brought an offering. Noah built an ark. Abraham left his home and he offered his son Isaac. Sarah trusted God. Jacob blessed his grandson. Moses um, chose to be mis mistreated. Rahab welcomed the spies. David fought Goliath. It wasn't just something they thought or said. It was something they displayed. All of the people that I've just mentioned made terrible, terrible decisions in their lives. They all made horrible mistakes. Yet they had genuine faith expressed through action. So today, we can think, James, <laughs> relax again. Please stop judging me. I'm not on trial. Yet James, like Paul, is saying, examine yourselves. Take a look at your own life and say this. Is what I believe truly what I believe, or am I just going through the motions? And I remember that old thing. You can bring your, your dog to church. doesn't make it a Christian. can be born in a McDonald's. doesn't make you a hamburger. Like we, we, we want to know that what we have is real. It's not for me to say if somebody's saved or not saved. We can look at the fruit to understand that. Scripture talks about that, talks about character. Yet today, it is, it's about asking ourselves, where is my faith and where is my fruit? We're not throwing stones. We're not pointing fingers. This is God speaking to all of us. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. By default there, I mean, it implies you can have faith that isn't genuine. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you would have failed the test of genuine faith. So, three categories of faith we're going to look at this morning. Two are false, and you, you've got to check your own heart. One is authentic, the real deal. The first artificial faith that James talks about is dead faith. Faith that's dead. To illustrate, he says this, 
Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day. <laughs> Stay warm and eat well. Imagine the guy, you know, like your, your neighbor. He's hungry. He's just basic needs. Yep, good for you. Hope you, hope you uh, get through it. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? The other day, man, whenever you're preaching, you get tested in what you're preaching. Mm. Uh, the other day, I was, I was with um, Paul and Jack, and we were driving, and it was late, and we were tired, and, and we, you know when you just don't feel like cooking, and, and then we, we thought, let's go past. Jack said, please, 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 can we go to KFC? Our budget's little, and we were like, oh, we, we want to, but it's expensive. And the, so we, anyway, we went past KFC, and we got these 50 rand meals. Paul actually got a 40 rand meal. They're small little meals. It has one piece of chicken and some other snacks. It's pretty cool. Um, this message is brought to you by Cam. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> the few, no, I'm just joking. That was, that was. Anyway, so we go and we buy this thing. And as we're leaving, there's this guy, and he's asking for, for food. And I don't see him. Paul didn't see him. I don't know. Did you see him? No, Paul and I didn't see him, but Jack saw him. And Jack sits there quietly. Now I get back into the road, back into traffic, and I'm driving. And Jack says, Dad, please, can I give him my chicken? And I was like, oh, Jack, we're already on the road. <laughs> How's my heart? You know, the traffic's bad. Look at Paul, and she's like, let's go back. So we go back, and Jack, he's only got one piece of chicken. He takes his one piece of chicken, and he gives it to the guy. Jack's face was like, he was absolutely overwhelmed with joy. As parents, to see your kids expressing sacrificial generosity with genuine faith is the most rewarding thing. And then we get into the, we carry on driving, and he says, Dad, can we pray for him? Or Mom and Dad, can we pray for him? And we all sit there together in the car, and we're praying for this guy. And I think to myself, it was the most valuable piece of chicken we've ever owned. <laughs> Just that little gesture, Right? And I had to examine my heart in that moment. Basic need. It goes on to say, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. And it's not saying this. You need to give to everybody that asks. It's impossible to meet everybody's needs and to give to everyone. He's saying words and works go hand in hand. You cannot separate them and have a separate faith from a separate life. We are not saved by works. But faith can't stand alone. And it's not one or the other, it's both and. A declaration of faith is accompanied by a demonstration of faith. What I declare, I must demonstrate. What I demonstrate is what I've declared. John Calvin says this. If you're taking notes, be on the screen. It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. We are made right with God through faith, but then when we are right with God through faith, our actions back it up. Think um, of how, how the word, the, this faith and actions apply to other areas of our lives. In our relationship, imagine saying, oh honey, <laughs> I had every intention of buying you flowers and making you dinner and spoiling you on your birthday. I didn't do any of it, but um, surely my words alone and recognizing how valuable those things were carried the same weight. <laughs> give it a go, get back to me, um, or our, our physical health, I've read every book on dieting, I have, I've read every book on exercise, I even tell other people how to live their lives and how to be fit and healthy, my intentions are great, but I never exercise, imagine phoning the bank and saying, look, 
I know I'm not paying my, I know paying your bills is right, and I have every intention to pay my bills, so please accept my intentions as payment. <laughs> Don't call me, I'll call you. <laughs> all, the, all the best intentions in the whole world, even you can even talk and back it up, but no actions contradict what we think we believe. Dead faith is when we have an intellectual understanding, it, it never correlates into action. When our words aren't backed up by our works, we know all the words. We can even stand in song and sing all the songs. I mean, stand in church, sing all the songs. We know all the words, but don't have any of the works. Fluent in Christianese. Know all the lyrics, yet only on Sundays. Yo, <laughs> Dale's getting those youth guys pumped. I can hear them. Um, you've heard the analogy of mumps and measles. If we say one thing, but we carry another thing, then people will pick up what we carry, not what we say. So if we have mumps and we tell people we've got measles, what are people going to get? I can say I've got mumps all day, but if I've got measles and you're with me, you're going to get measles. Listen to how Jesus puts it. Matthew six, uh, 7, verse 16 to 20. You can identify them by their fruits, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot pr- produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Remember, this is a loving word. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not what they say they believe, by their actions. And this isn't talking about us never making mistakes, because I guarantee you've all made mistakes. I've made so many, and I continue to make mistakes. It's saying this, is faith a way of life? Right? Warren Wiersbe, the great commentator I really enjoy, he says, beware of mere intellectual faith. No man can come to Christ by faith and remain the same, any more than he can come into contact with a 220-volt wire and remain the same. (laughs) Dead faith is not saving faith. Dead faith is counterfeit faith and lulls the person into a false confidence of eternal life. Imagine going through the motions, sitting in church, week after week after week with a false sense of security and no genuine faith. This isn't saying fake it till you make it. James is saying, is what we have genuine? Not to hold up appearances, but because it's the real deal. I can't tell you where you stand. Fruit will tell us where you stand. But where you stand is between you and God. And I challenge you this morning, cry out to God. And we can know how to perform and how to promote and how to... Um, portray even how to participate. We can go through all the motions, yet have no desire to honor Scripture, no desire to see our friends saved, no desire to spend time with God, no concern for our neighbor, and think, as long as I talk the talk and look the part, I'm safe. It's dead faith. It's a false sense of security. Faith turns my words into worship. Faith turns word into worship. Therefore, when I get you on a Sunday, I'm not just singing songs, I'm praising the King of Kings. 
And my life is a demonstration of what I believe. And yes, I make mistakes and I fall, but I get back up again because I'm pursuing Christ. And when we bless our, our neighbor, even with a little piece of chicken, it's not to keep up appearances or to appease our guilt. It's an overflow of the heart or Jack's heart. <laughs> this is hard hitting. God loves you so much, but he's looking for faith, not fake. I think we can pretend and we can, we can trick the whole world, even sometimes trick ourselves. But God is distinguishing the difference because he sees our heart and he sees our motives, he sees our actions. The world may be impressed with counterfeit Christianity, yet it's dead and dangerous. When Paula told me she was pregnant with Kayla, it was words just words. Yet soon after that, things began to change. And she desired apples more than any human should desire apples, even if it was 10 o'clock at night. She got leg cramps that exposed my lack of compassion. Um, her, her body began to change. Her confession was confirmed by the evidence of change. Are we pregnant with the gospel? Now all the ladies are like, yeah, love that analogy. All the guys are like, <laughs> What? Can you see signs of life, evidence of change that's producing something that's a blessing? So in summary, we are not saved by works or from works. We are saved for works. So works don't save us, yet they are evidence that we are saved. So counterfeit number one is dead faith. Counterfeit number two, demon faith. <laughs> and silence fell over the room. Now, some may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in fear. Even now, there's a spiritual war over our lives, over this meeting, over what God is doing in our community. There is a, a realm that we cannot see that's waging war. And we can say, oh, I'm separate. Think about this. This is an interesting thought. Demons are not atheist or agnostic. They believe that God is real and powerful and that Jesus is God. That's why when they encountered Jesus, they were afraid. They were like, go easy, don't hurt us, please don't, you know, has our time come. So not only do demons believe the right things, they are emotionally engaged and tremble in fear. So we can feel stirred in our emotions. So it's possible to know who Jesus is, know why he came, have an experience of him, recognize our need for forgiveness, feel emotionally stirred, go through the motions, yet have no life change to accommodate that belief. Words without works or declaration without demonstration. We know about Jesus. We even do what Christians do, yet don't personally submit to him as Lord and Savior with the evidence of the outworking of that faith in our lives. We need to trust God for a change of life, not just an academic or an emotional experience. That means that it's not about the information in our heads, it's an outworking of the heart. Billy Graham used to say that, that a lot of people will miss heaven by 18 inches, the distance between the head and the heart. Heard the message, academically understood the message, 
historically it seemed to make sense, yet it never became a heart issue. And therefore it never worked out in a way of life. Hard message. But I'm trusting that if there's people sitting in the room that think, I've been going to church for a long time, I'm good. Maybe that is your expression of faith. I trust that is part of our expression of faith. But we don't want to sit in the room with a false sense of security based on things that are just external. What is the most loving way to say this? If love had a voice, what would he say? Jesus, who is love, says it this way. Matthew 7, verse 22 to 23. On judgment day, this is real and very hard. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. That's a terrifying reality. If God said it, many will stand there and say, look at me. And he's saying, I don't know you. As we listen to this, we can think to ourselves, oh, wow, that's it. I'm in big trouble. I am the worst. I am a sinner. I am broken. Am I even saved? You know, I still sin. I'm still struggling. And I feel that if we feel that in our hearts, that's a very good thing because it means that we want to be right with God. If you're in the room today and you're like, "Eh, this doesn't bother me at all, then it bothers me that it doesn't bother you. Even as I was prepping, I was going through this and I was like, Lord, May my heart always be right with you. And it's not to live in fear and guilt and shame. It's to say, Lord Jesus, I genuinely want an authentic faith that will display who you are. And, and yes, I make mistakes, but may I live it out with the way I live my life. Surely we want to be secure in our salvation and walking in obedience. So what faith is God looking for that will save you for eternity? Come back next week. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Number three, dynamic faith. Dynamic faith. And then James gives this example of some people, and we'll look at one, or, uh, of someone that displayed dynamic faith and what it looks like. James 2, 20 to 23. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So now I'm going to run through this quickly. We're nearly done. Abraham was called by God in Genesis 12. And he did what God, what God asked him to do and he followed God. Then in Genesis 15, God made a covenant, those three chapters later, God made a covenant with Abraham, and he said, you'll have a son, and he will be the, you, you'll be the father of many nations. And, and that's the covenant he made in Genesis 15. In Genesis 22, Abraham offered his son Isaac on the altar to be a sacrifice because God called him to do that. And at the last second, the angel intervened and said, no, no, no. It was a demonstrate, like, you know, it was kind of like expressing or exposing his faith in what he truly believed. When was Abraham declared righteous? Was it after his actions or before? In Genesis 15, verse 6, it says this, And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. This is so important, because God saw his saving faith and credited to him as righteousness before his act of obedience of sacrificing his son Isaac. 
His act of obedience was proof and evidence of his faith. It's like the seed was planted there, but only produced fruit there. And it didn't mean that what happened in the, in the middle wasn't genuine faith. Yet his actions confirmed it. So the seed of faith was planted in Abraham's life. He wanted to honor God. Yet between Genesis 12 and Genesis 22, Abraham did a whole lot of sketchy things. I mean, he said his wife was his sister twice to protect his life. He, he had a child with some, another lady because he was trying to fulfill God's plan. He was making absolute hash of his life. He was called faithful and righteous then, made a whole bunch of mistakes with righteousness because of a display of his faith. Am I losing myself in this? <laughs> Dynam- I hope you're getting what I'm saying. Dy- dynamic faith is belief, conviction, emotion, and action. And yes, we make mistakes along the way. But we come back to a place of belief, and it outworks itself through our way of life. Abraham was right with God from the moment that he believed. Then he made a whole bunch of mistakes, and then through faith revealed his obedience in action. And this righteousness is available to everyone. Right now, you might think, I've done nothing great. And if I'm getting judged according to my actions, then I'm in trouble. And through your faith today, saying, Lord Jesus, I want to be right with you. You will be instant, you will be saved. You will be right with God. You will be justified, you'll be righteous. And then you might make mistakes along the way, but that faith will outwork itself. It's like kind of pushing a balloon full of air underwater. What's faith will come up. From Abraham the patriarch to Rahab the prostitute, when we place our faith in Jesus, we are saved. When we are saved, that seed of faith produces the fruit of a changed life. James 2 verse 18, and I'm closing. Now some may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. As we sit here today, we can think, you know, I'm saved, and I'm secure, and I thank God that I'm saved, but may my life be a demonstration display of my faith. May my words line up with my works. Or you might be sitting here thinking, I don't know if I'm saved. If I'm not saved, I've been going through the motions, coming to church, doing my thing, but I have no revelation of who Jesus is. Or I think the revelation I had was narrow and God's opened my eyes today. But as you call out on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. And then as you live your life, you will see the fruits of that salvation through the way that you live your life. We the ministry team, could, 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 could you guys come up? Peter, you, 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 no, you, you're welcome to come pray. Um, um, are you guys, could you guys come up? Eugene. This man's good. Donnie and Polo, could you... Could you come pray for people? Thank you, Kim. Last week, somebody contacted me and said, wow, I went up for prayer, and, and they just spoke so directly into my situation. It was amazing. It was just amazing. Um, it was like the Lord just, they didn't even know, and God spoke. Um, I'm saying, uh, th- these people are standing up here today, 
If you have any prayer need whatsoever, anything, I encourage you to come up for prayer in faith and trust that you will have an encounter. So your faith says, Lord, you can do something. Your actions will be expressed through your coming up, and we trust God together. So this team that are up here today, we're going to trust God. We'll pray for you, and whatever you're asking God for prayer for will be, God will hear and answer those prayers. If you are sitting in the room and you're thinking, I've been going through the motions, maybe I've been dragged here by someone else and I don't actually want to be here. And you recognize Jesus existed, but there's no reality of him being your Lord and Savior. Don't leave. Don't don't leave today. Come up. Come up and get prayer. I would say your life depends on it, but it's so much more than that. Eternal life is a reality. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we won't just be people of many words but few works, or people, Lord Jesus, that put on all the works, but our heart and our faith is not there. It's just a demonstration. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we will have faith and deeds I pray, Lord, if there's people in the room that have prayer needs, as they come up, I thank you for signs and wonders, for miracles, for answered prayers. Lord, if if there's a spouse sitting in the room that's praying for their husband or wife, they're not in the same place, they're not equally yoked or they're struggling, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that as they come forward, they will see incredible breakthrough as they trust you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, if there's somebody sitting in the room that thinks, I've been been going to church for a while, but I'm not right with you, Lord. I thank you that they'll come up and today they'll experience the incredible love of God. I pray for families to be reunited. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for broken hearts to be restored. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for anyone that's struggling in any way, whether it's financial, emotional, whatever it is, Lord, you meet them where they're at. You are a good, faithful, loving God, and you don't want any one of us to go through the motions, go to church and stand before you and you say, I never knew you. May everyone in our church and everyone listening online have an authentic, God-honoring, saving faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And won't you stand together? Thank you, Lord, as we stand here today. Bless these people. Keep them. Take them forward. I thank you that you will be honored and displayed through every life here. You will show off your goodness through these people's lives. When people meet them, may they encounter you. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.